Welcome to the Careers in Forestry and Natural Resource podcast. I'm your instructor and today's host, Sophia Lemo. So the primary learning objective of this week is to get a better idea and understanding for the different sectors that comprise the field of forestry and natural resources. So hopefully prior to listening to this podcast, you've watched the video lecture where we start to build the roadmap and cover many of the sectors that comprise forestry and natural resource, along with some of the corresponding organizations, branches, or companies, and some of the corresponding career paths. And by no means is this a 100% comprehensive overview, but we're trying to hit as many of the primary ones as we can fit. And now today, in order to bring some more perspective to the differences between these different sectors in terms of etiquette and safety, hiring, we're going to hear from two resource professionals. And between these two resource professionals, they've worked in a wide array of the sectors. In fact, they've worked in almost all of them that we've discussed this week, which is pretty unique. Um, And so they'll share their experience, which is unique to them. And of course, every company and district um, is different from each other. So it's limited to their perspective. But I think they have some really meaningful thoughts and lessons to share. And they are both foresters. So we'll be talking through that lens. But again, I think some of their lessons can apply to different career paths, such as wildlife biologists. So with that, I hope you enjoy. Thanks. My name is Allison Ernie. Um, I have a degree in forestry and natural resources from UC Berkeley. Um, and I've been working in the natural resource field for six years since I graduated. Um, I currently work at the Placer County Resource Conservation District. I'm a conservation project manager there, and I'm based out of Grass Valley, um, but my job is based out of Auburn, California. And my name is Cameron Musser. I got a degree first in genetics and plant biology with minor in forestry and natural resources from UC Berkeley. And I also have a master's in forest science from the Yale School of Forestry. And I have been working around natural resources for about seven years, but I've been doing management for three And currently, I am a forest health project manager out of, or for the nonprofit, the Yuba Watershed Institute, and we are based out of Nevada City, California. Cool, great. Um, So really what makes you two unique and what fits in with our uh, learning objective of this week is how many different sectors of forestry and the natural resources you've both worked in, from private to public, public state, public federal, So really this week, we're trying to build a roadmap of all these different sectors and understand kind of how they all fit together and the differences between them. So maybe you could each go through and tell us a little bit about your career progression, about what you did at each company or organization and who that what sector that was in. Cool. Yeah. So um, this is Allison. So I started my career right out of college as a forestry aide for CAL FIRE, so public sector, um, State Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. Um, And CAL FIRE owns a number of demonstration forests throughout California. 
So I worked at Jackson Demonstration State Forest um, for two seasons, and um, that's where I learned how to mark timber and lay out for harvest plans. Um, learned about you know applied silviculture, and really just worked in the woods all day every day for two seasons. Um, and after my second season there, I got a job for a small forestry consulting firm out of Grass Valley um, called the Foresters Co-op. So I worked there for about a year and a half um, and a bit more diversity of work there. So did some timber harvest plan preparation and layout, uh, did a lot of timber marking and field work. Um, but, you know, included some CFIP work, so the California Forest Improvement Program, which is a cost share program for um, timberland owners to do certain practices and have Cal Fire um, match them and help pay for work on their land. So did some of that and did a lot of carbon verification on timberlands throughout the country. Um, so, you know, cruising to measure carbon stored in standing timber. Um, and I left that job after a year and a half and took a job as a forester with Sierra Pacific Industries, um, one of the larger timber companies in the state, um, own almost now maybe over 2 million acres of private timberland in California. Um, so at that job, I did a lot of timber harvest plan writing and preparation and layout and logging administration, um, and was working at that job when I got my RPF license, my registered professional forester license. Um, so I worked there for about two years and about a year ago, I got the job I have now, which is a conservation project manager for the Placer County Resource Conservation District um, or the RCD. So the RCD is actually a special district of the state. So I am a state employee, um, but we are largely grant funded uh, with some base funding from the county. So I like to say it's um, like a nonprofit job, but with government benefits. And I do a lot of work um, fire prevention work. So a lot of shaded full break projects. Um, I hire contractors and administer those projects, decide on what treatments should be applied where. Um, my job involves a lot of landowner communication and outreach. Um, I also work with several grants to assist small forest landowners um, with management. Um, uh, but working for the RCD means you have your hand in a lot of different projects. So I work um, on some prescribed fire projects and various other like community education grants. Yeah. I'll give it to Cameron. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Cameron, if you want to take us through mm -hmm. yours next. Yeah, sure. So I have just been trying on all the different sectors on for size to see which I like the best. <laughs> and I started off in academia um, I was studying mostly uh, plant physiology and evolution uh, of the trees that I loved. And that took me to Yale where I got my master's. 
and went on to do a PhD, but I uh, really changed my mind after a year of doing that and wanted to have a more active role in managing the trees that I love, not just studying the insides of them. And so I contacted a good friend and she was the forester at Collins Pine Company and I, which is a private timber company up in Chester, California. And I had my first field season doing forestry in 2018. And that was just, you know, boots on the ground, lots of marking timber. We marked all of the trees for the foresters' plants. It was all single tree selection. And uh, when we weren't marking, we were doing um, project layout, boundaries, flagging, flagging water courses, and um, we had just basically everything, <laughs> a little bit of everything up in Chester. And so after that experience, I was really um, stoked on being a forester, but I didn't have quite the private experience that would take me to be a registered professional forester. So I went into the government via the USA Pathways uh, program and I got placed in Fall River Mills, California on the Hat Creek District uh, right during the pandemic. So I kind of had a weird season there. But that was a permanent job doing um, basically the same stuff. Uh, timber sale layout was my forestry kind of uh, title. So I did a lot of more uh, project layout, sale layout, and uh, did a little bit of marking, but not much. And yeah, I uh, didn't really enjoy the um, structure of the government job there. So I was really excited when this job that I have now came up in Nevada City and I uh, grabbed it when I could. And now I am doing so much of everything that I've been interested in. It's a nonprofit job, so we are entirely grant funded largely based off of the CAL FIRE grants and um, Sierra Nevada Conservancy. And so what my small organization does, and when I say small, I mean I'm the only employee that's full-time. I, um, we, let's see, we were started by a group of people up um, in Nevada City that were really interested in, in having the land uh, in their neighborhood managed that was owned by the Bureau of Land Management which is the other large federal landholder besides the Forest Service in California. And I mean, you always think of BLM and you think of uh, deserts, but there's actually quite a bit of timberlands out in BLM lands that had past mining um, claims on them. So they're kind of just been neglected for many, many years and they have incredible amounts of fuel. So my projects are largely aimed at fuel reduction and trying to thin out the forest floor so a neighborhood doesn't get torched hopefully when a fire comes through um and because these are all like uh, blm parcels are mainly inside of residential areas still because it's just kind of the history of the place and so i do a lot of urban wilderness interfacing kind of uh, fuel reduction treatments but being kind of a forester background, I do get to do some um, timber marking for like a salvage sale here and there and 
going to start doing an inventory um, for doing a timber sale with the BLM. And so, yeah, just a little bit of everything. A lot of um, just talking with other nonprofits in the area about how to collectively manage the Yuba watershed. So that is my current job. Cool. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you both for taking us through that. So I guess um, it'd be great if anything stands out to you as differences in etiquettes or safety procedures between the different sectors you worked in. Were there any like stark contrasts? Um, were there some that you felt like more comfortable in? If you want to, if you have any comparisons that come to mind, uh, those would be appreciated. Yeah, there's some definitely some stark differences. Cameron's <laughs> nodding too. Um, so. For me, like, I think CAL FIRE was the most regimented environment that I worked in. Um, The forestry side is a little more loose than the fire side, but it still is a very paramilitary structure um, and ranking system. So lots of, like, uniform requirements and um, complicated (laughs) PTO schedules and... um, yeah, like a little bit more, you know, of a respectful, um, formal environment. Not not terribly so because we spent so much time in the woods, but um, we did go on a couple of fire assignments and it's, you know, the chain of command is important and um, safety is important. So I, I think it contrasts really strongly with like, the consulting world, which is kind of more of like a family feel environment. Like you're usually working for a smaller, or at least my experience, I was working for a smaller company. Um, yeah, just like a much more casual environment. Everybody brought their dogs to work and like, um, we would have, you know, like beers after work and Christmas parties and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think the government and the private is, is pretty contrasted in my mind. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And same with the nonprofit. Uh, my, I think in order of like where I felt the more most supported and looked after and kind of just like safe would be from Collins Pine, which I mean, everyone had tabs on where we were as technicians. And we always had radios in our truck and able to contact someone and so yeah, that was kind of just, I was felt very um, secure and it was kind of an informal environment. There was a lot more like culture, I would say. Um, I think it helped that my my closest friend was the forester that I worked under, but that's kind of like a, an odd thing. I think um, a structure in a lot of forest companies are older folks kind of like or older foresters in like a, the tier of the hierarchy i think that could be kind of hard to navigate sometimes as a new forester or a technician um but then yeah in the government too um it just depends on your district within the forest service i think every single district is super different so um can't really comment on like a general trend but here in the nonprofit, it is just me and my executive director who does a lot of the um, grant writing and he's basically in the office all the time now. And I am the only 
person who has done field work extensively and who is kind of doing my own thing. And I keep track of myself, unfortunately, and he really has no idea where I am at any time. And so I just try and make it a, a practice to uh, let someone I know <laughs> where I am if I'm going into a sketchy spot. And I luckily, like I said, I'm in the urban um, wildlands interface most often. So if things got real, I could probably find somebody, but it is um, each man for himself out here in the nonprofit world sometimes when you're the only forester mm -hmm. in a place where everyone else is in the office. Yeah, that's definitely been true at my current job with the RCD as well. Like, um, when I worked for SPI, I, we did have to sign out every day. Um, so people knew generally where we were, but, um, now nobody knows where I am, <laughs> but even at SPI, the first thing they asked me when I interviewed was if I was comfortable working in the woods alone. Um, and so I was alone every single field day. Like I, it was very rare to go out with other people. So um, which I like actually really enjoy. Um, yeah. but it is like a different feel than working on like a technician crew. Um, but, and like safety wise, like I know this is true for Cameron right now. And like when I worked for SPI, I would be in some very sketchy locations. <laughs> so I would, if I did have service, I would be like, Hey, I'm, this is where I am right now. And I would often fix people that, um, just in case. And, and of course there's radios in the trucks and stuff and yeah. Cool. Yeah, Nevada County is fun. <laughs> Those uh, are Kata. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think for like people who are just getting their first field job or getting into forestry and the natural resources, do you think there is a sector you would recommend starting out in? And maybe it's more individualized, like Cameron said, every district is really different. But if you think there's an experience you had that really introduced you to all the ins and outs of forestry, uh, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. I think it really depends what you're looking for. Um, for me, like, I had learned all this stuff in my forestry classes about silviculture and logging and operations, and I didn't really understand any of it until I started laying out THPs and like getting on the ground and thinking critically about logging mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and marking. And I think having just like a grunt work field job, like laying out other people's CHPs was really valuable for me. Also just in the sense of like, like um, getting your footing in the woods, like it's a lot harder than, <laughs> than, I, than I thought when I first started working. And like, you really get to like hone your sense of direction and you know, I don't know, you become a lot more, way more familiar with, with working outside. Yeah. Well, you're also working in really hard grounds. <laughs> yeah, it was really The coast is hard. Kudos, <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, what else I was to say, but um, I would say it really depends on what you want in the end. What you probably don't know. Anyway. Which you don't know. <laughs> And where you're starting, I feel. So I, I, my brief experience with the government was kind of chaotic. I really don't want to dissuade anyone from not going into the Forest Service because they need 
so many people. So don't um, necessarily discount this, but they um, were pretty generalist because of how much people they like how many people they needed so like if you didn't have a forestry background they would give you one you didn't necessarily have to study forestry exactly you could have studied like anything semi-related to it and they would have been like you're going to be in the forest here's a paint gun go we need people so um with my background i kind of felt like i had all this knowledge that i could use at that point in time because there were so many people who um, didn't have that yet. So I think the private world for me, at least because Collins was such a small timber company, that was just like so fundamental in getting that experience. And yeah, I studied um, a lot of this in school. I, I took forestry classes as well. And it's, it's all very helpful, but until you're out there in the woods looking at the trees, thinking about it, it doesn't really take place, like get concrete and practice. So, um, yeah, I just, you just got to go out no matter what sector you're in. You just got to go spend a lot of time walking in the woods <laughs> and thinking about how these trees are going to come out. <laughs> they yeah. need to. And I would say too, like, I found that in my in the job I work now and when I worked in consulting, um, it's a lot of interpersonal time um, versus like my time as a Cal Fire technician and my time at STI. It was a lot of like solo time in the woods. So like, are you a more personable person who likes to educate landowners about forestry? Like maybe you would want to consider consulting or um some kind of public outreach position um versus you know do you just want to pound the ground in the woods all day um and both have their benefits I think if you're starting in consulting one thing that I experienced was um and a lot of consulting firms are doing this is there's a lot of PG&E contract work that they often try to start their their new technicians doing um so if you're like interviewing for a consulting job, don't be afraid to ask, like, do you have utility work? And like, consider if that's something that you're interested in getting into um, or not. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really common right now. It is. Um, and maybe if you could each speak a little bit about like differences in hire- hiring processes. Um, I know they're more varied for like private industry uh, and maybe nonprofits, but um, give us some compare and contrast would be helpful there as well. Yeah, I mean, private was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the government, of course, was the most exhausting program to get into because you had to do like a background check. I had to go through that uh, pathways program because that's like they had to check if I was really a recent grad and lots of applications to get into the program and whatnot. And USA Jobs is, um, I hope you have someone else talking about that because it's a, it's a beast. Yeah, we have, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, I don't know, the nonprofit was pretty similar to private except a board had to vote on who was hired for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, the hiring process as a forestry aide for Cal Fire is the only thing I can speak to, and it's probably the easiest Cal Fire hiring process because 
unlike a lot of state drugs, you don't have to get on a list um, of eligible applicants. You just have to apply and they just hire you. I, I'm not sure if that has changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, all my all the places I've worked, it's just been an application and interview. Um, and that's that. Yeah. And the Cal Fire and Forestry Aid interview is a little bit more of like a test than an interview. Is that correct? I honestly don't even remember it. I, I was trying to remember before this and I was like, I just don't. Yeah, I interviewed with them and it was like a little bit of the canned interview questions. Like, how do you interact with people? And then it was like, also just like five really easy questions. Like, yeah. what is a Biltmore study? Yeah, like basic yeah. That's right. It was yeah. like basic um, forest commensuration and um, other types of questions like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go into a Cal Fire interview, it might be good to brush up on some uh, basic forestry skills and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel that is kind of that was similar for my government job too. They asked me the most like simple forestry questions out there. Yeah, and I would rec always recommend like check out the website of the place that you're going to be applying to first, and like see what kinds of projects they have, and if you can ask specific questions about their programs or projects, that always makes it a difference. Oh yeah, and I guess if we're talking about hiring, uh, and you do want to be an RPF one day, it's pretty good to mention that because in your interview or in your cover letter even. Because they want to see uh, kind of their motivation to stick around in the forestry community or even just in opposition or in the company or wherever you are. Yeah, which doesn't apply to federal jobs, but yeah. And we're going to go over yeah. RPF licenses in more detail later this semester for those who are still have any questions there. Um, cool. We're going to wrap up unless you have more more uh, differences between the industries you want to mention. This has been really helpful. And how we've been ending these is with your favorite safety tip um, and or like hot tip for people just starting out in forestry. Hot tip. Hot tip. Um, safety tip. <laughs> I mean, I guess my hot tip would be like, don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. Like I didn't know anything about logging operations, especially, um, Berkeley, haha. but, um, <laughs> like I just asked a ton of questions and I asked to like go on active jobs and see, uh, what was happening. So I think just be curious. Yeah. Um, and my safety tip, um, uh, I don't know. I would, I would always carry like, um, a toe strap in my truck. So I wouldn't, you know, so I could pull logs out of the way or I would always carry like a handsaw and a saw, like, cause it really sucks when you're trying to get down the road and then you can't get to where you need to go. Um, uh, that's not really a safety tip. Yeah. I don't know. A safety Is tip? It? Okay. Yeah. Don't want to get stuck <laughs> out there. That's my tip. <laughs> um, my hot tip comes from a little bit of angst that I have now as like a, a late starter forester. But if you know you want to be a forester in California, get yourself on that RPF train as soon as possible. Yeah. Because no matter, unless you're in, even if you're in government, it gives you quite a hefty 
uh, increase in pay, and it really is what you need to do. It's kind of silly um, trying to get into the field these days without it. And I don't know, I have a master's degree, and I don't feel like I am any different than any other average Joe, unfortunately. Sorry, Sophia, you're going to be great out there with your RPF plus your master's. <laughs> but, and then I think my hot tip, for, or not my hot, my hot safety tip is uh, that old situational awareness. <laughs> Just, I, I heard this from a PCD hiker once, you really got to make calculated moves in the woods. Like, like don't. Don't trip. Don't trip. Don't, like, if you see a log and you want to walk across it, like, how much fun are you going to have versus how dangerous it actually could be? Even if it's just a little, like, just don't do stupid stuff. Look at snags before you go into, I don't know, walk past them. Just always be aware. Just don't turn off your brain. Yeah. And if it's windy, you can leave. Yeah. (laughs) That's really true. Yeah. It's probably the most dangerous thing in the woods is the wind sometimes. Or the people. Or the people. All right, so that's us. Cool. Wow, that was uh, super helpful, I think. Thank you so much for both taking the time to do this. It was yeah, our, I think this will be our only like double header <laughs> podcast of the semester, so it's kind of exciting. Is Are there a lot of podcasts for your 